Three to Us on Our Lady of Walsingham by Father Ed Tomlinson of the Ordinariate of Our Lady of Walsingham. Today is the feast of Our Lady of Walsingham, calling us to prayer for Christian unity. Why this connection between Mary's appearance in Britain and Christian unity? Because Our Lady's appearance was not accidental, but a moment of grace, and the start of a chain of events connected to England's conversion, which involves, I believe, the implementation of the ordinariate in our day. To better understand, let us travel back together to the day when it all started. The year is 1061, and under a Catholic banner, our nation is known as Our Lady's Dowry, and it's flourishing like never before. This was a great golden era, a time of renewal. Cathedrals are built, churches are erected, and they're going to define the landscape for so many different generations. Catholic devotion suits the English people, and it leads to a great cultural flowering, producing, in my opinion, the greatest art, music and architecture that this land has ever seen. And in a tiny Norfolk village, not far from where I was raised as a child, we find a noblewoman, Richeldus de Favage, deep in prayer. To her amazement, the Blessed Virgin appears to her in a vision three times instructing Richeldus to build a replica of the Holy House of Nazareth. Richeldus undertakes the work with obedience, and soon a spring of living water is unearthed. Once built, the Priory Shrine of Our Lady of Walsingham became the beating heart of Catholic England. From all over Europe people flocked to be healed, to pray, to receive the sacraments, to give devotion to the Lord. Peasants and kings were equal here, in this place of profound grace, miracle and favour. Lamentably, the deep horrors of the English Reformation, which led to such terrible suffering on all sides, brought an abrupt and bloody end to Catholic Britain. The wily Henry VIII found an opportunity in the wider schism of Europe and grabbed the church in this land for the state. Soon the monasteries of England were being plundered and Walsingham was razed to the ground. And so for the next few centuries just a pile of burning rubble could be found at the place where God's mother had appeared. Was the vision over? Had God's plan been thwarted? Well, no, far from it. But certainly a time of healing was needed. And it would take until the 19th century before Jesus was ready to reveal the next step in his plan. I do not believe it was coincidence that the restoration of the shrine was largely the work of Anglicans. How ironic it is, 
but those whose ancestors had burnt the place to the ground were now the ones inspired to restore it. Through Father Hope Patton and other members of the Anglo-Catholic movement, that movement started by Cardinal Newman, of course, before his own conversion, building began in earnest. Was God using Newman to inspire a movement whose purpose was spiritual preparation? Was Anglo-Catholicism designed to soften the Protestant heart and get it ready for a journey home to St Peter? Well, I believe it to be true, and over the next century Walsingham would indeed play such a crucial role in the work of ecumenism. For here in this place, Catholic and Anglicans were brought together in a shared proclamation of their faith, of devotion to Mary. Walsingham was, and Walsingham remains, a very fine example in England, where Christians work together for the gospel. But however beneficial the ecumenism of the 20th century was, centred on Christian friendship, it had one flaw. Yes, Christians kept coming together, but how sad that they also departed, each going back to the place they felt safe. When we acknowledge the separate Catholic and Anglican shrines, are we not also acknowledging that the schism remains, that doctrinal difference still holds us apart, that no amount of friendship alone is going to overcome the barriers put up at that time of Reformation. A fresh step was needed, something to move the debate to a new, to a radical level. Cue the ordinariate of Our Lady of Walsingham, the next logical step in the ecumenical journey. It is a brave and audacious project, but what Pope Benedict is making clear is that meaningful unity, true unity, the sort that brings us together around one altar, can only come through a shared proclamation of Christian truth. And so he says to Anglicans, come home, come with your patrimony intact, we are going to make room for you, there is a space for you, but only when you sign up to the Christian faith of the ages. Well, that's as far as our story goes for now. But just ponder that chain of events today on this feast of Our Lady of Walsingham as you contemplate England's conversion. Here is the chronology. Mary appears at a time of great Catholic strength. Faith is then decimated by schism and violence. Newman inspires a Catholic movement within the Church of England, and he points it to Rome, where he himself goes, as a great gesture of encouragement. Newman is then beatified, here in England, and the shrine is restored as Anglicans and Catholics come together and now through the ordinariate dedicated to 
Our Lady of Walsingham. Anglicans are being called home, as never before, to the rock from which they were hewn. So pray today that the deep scandal of Christian schism, which so wounds the body of Christ, might finally one day be healed. Pray that Jesus would bring us together into one body, as he and the Father are one, that Walsingham may have just one shrine for the whole of the Christian church. Pray for England, that it may rise again as a proud Christian nation. And please pray for the ordinariate. It's in its infancy. It's not yet strong. But it could become such a bridge for calling the English home. May Our Lady of Walsingham pray for you, and may you be proud of your Catholic faith this day. Amen. Yeah.